Second Timothy. Amen. And I just want to, since I got the mic, amen, I know that uh, Bible studies have started. And I want to invite you to our Ignite Life Group. Amen. Praise the Lord. And it's right around the corner. It's right down the street here at Sister Irene's house. Amen. 343 Rotary Street. We're really excited. Amen. It's great that we're going over to uh, Irene's house. It's probably been a while since he had something over her house. Amen. But uh, how many know God is stirring her up? Amen. Praise the Lord. And uh, so it's just great to see what God is doing. You know, I sense that God is doing something within our church and within our ministry. Amen. And I, I don't know about you, but the first month, man, we, man, we were busy like every day pretty much. And with Dean, uh, what's his last name, Niferados? I mean, that guy was like, you know, that, I got excited. That guy stirred me up. I don't, I don't know about you, but something happened when Dean was here in my life. I can tell you that. And then Isaiah was, I was sick when Isaiah was here. You know, I wasn't able to come. But uh, God is definitely doing something, amen, and I'm excited about it. And so uh, I'm going to go ahead and read this, 2 Timothy. I'm going to read two scriptures, chapter 1. Very familiar. It says, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame. Some of you say stir it up, right? Some of your, your translations say stir it up or to stir, stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. It says, verse 7 says, For the spirit God gave, you, gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline, or a sound mind. Amen? Right? Like uh, Brother Nico used to say, you got to be strong-minded. Amen? How many remember that? Brother Nico? Praise the Lord. Let's go ahead and just pray really quickly. Father, I pray, Lord, that tonight that the call of God will be heard, my God, within the lives of your people. And that, Lord, you would stir them up, Lord. That you would shake them, Lord God. And that you would just remind them, Lord, what you brought them from. That you would remind them, Lord God, that you delivered them and broke the chains and set them free, my God, tonight. And they weren't just saved, Lord God, so they could just coast to heaven, but so they could put their hands to the plow to build the kingdom of the Most High God. And, Father, we thank you tonight and praise you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Now, before we get into the, to those verses, I want to give you quickly, try to go quickly, it's five important background notes referring to the, uh, the book of 2 Timothy, amen? Because in order to understand the message of these scriptures, we need to know something about his background, amen? And that goes for all scripture. You know, how many know we got to dig in? Amen. So we're going to understand what God is trying to speak to us in this day. Now, the first note is that, number one, is that in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy was Paul's final letter. It's his final, final book, right? It's part of the uh, Pauline epistles. Amen. And this was his last book that Paul wrote because uh, the second note is that Paul was in prison. Amen. The Bible says he was in chains. And but when I was thinking about this is that it was his final book and many consider it his last will and testament. And I was thinking about that. I was saying, you know, I was thinking about Pastor Sonny. And I was thinking how God brought him to San Jose. And you know, he's not a spring chicken anymore. 
Now, I'm not trying to bury him or nothing like that. You know, God's favor is with him. God is with him. But he's not a spring chicken. He's, he's, he's seven, what, is he 80 years old already or 70-something? He's in his late 70s. And, but God is used, but for some reason, God brought him here to Northern California. And I believe that, you know what, for whatever, how it happened, whatever happened, I believe that it's strategic that God brought him here for a reason. Because when I look at it, I look at our ministry, I look at Northern Cal, and Northern Cal, we've impacted, we, we've, we've contributed to the vision of Victory Outreach over the years. Amen? And, and I was just thinking, I said, you know what, you know, I mean, he moved here. He moved, you know, I know he's got houses at other places, but when he comes home, he's coming home to San Jose. And I think that's something that we shouldn't take lightly. I was just thinking about it saying, man, because I believe God's doing something. I believe God has a purpose and a plan for us. I believe God wants to make a last deposit here in Northern California. Because I believe Pastor Sonny, that he sees that, you know what, here in Northern California, there's some good men up here. There's good ministries up here. There's great things taking place up here. And I believe that Pastor Sonny wants to take it to a new level. He wants to impart, you know, he's going to be here. We don't know for how long before he has to, you know what, pick up his stakes and move somewhere else. But I believe that God is going to use him to impart the vision like never before into Northern California. And we need to get excited about that. We can't take it for granted. We don't know how long he's going to be here, how long it's going to last. So the first thing is that we need to understand is that Paul's letter, he was, an old, he was, he was old too at this time. And this was his disciple. And he wrote this letter to Timothy. And we're going to get into why in a, in a few minutes. The second thing is that Paul wrote it, like I said, in prison. He was in chains. In 2 Timothy 1.16, Paul said, The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But the thing I like most about this is that, you know what, in this letter, Paul never complained about his circumstances. He never complained that, you know what, that he was behind bars. He never complained that he was in shackles. He never complained, you know what, that he was going to go to see the emperor. You know, Paul knew the writing was on the wall for Paul. He knew that this was it. He knew that, you know what, because Nero was now the emperor. And we all know about Nero, you know, even in, in our uh, history lessons. Nero was, he, he, he was a bad dude. And he was, you know, he was, he was taking people out. And he took out many Christians. He's the one, he took out the Apostle Paul. <coughs> but when Paul wrote this letter, he didn't complain. He didn't say, oh, you know what, man, I, you know, I can't do this anymore. They got me locked up. And, and you know what, Paul continued to, to encourage. Paul continued to speak life. Paul continued to believe that God's purpose was going to be accomplished through him. See, here Paul specifically mentions the change. It's not a metaphor or a symbol, but it's the truth of his current incarceration in Rome. And at the end of the, the book of Acts, Paul is under house arrest in Rome, but is able to receive guests and to preach to them. Uh, on their way to Rome, you know, uh, you know, the Bible says, if you read it there, that, you know what, that man, they got hit by storms, the boat got all messed up, 
the lifeboat they had to throw overboard. They had to throw the food away. They had to, you know what, they went through all kinds of things. And But the Apostle Paul, <clears throat> you know what, when he got, when they got to, to, uh, to Rome, until right off, you know, on one of the islands, right off, right off of, uh, you know, the coast, is that Paul, uh, the centurion allowed Paul to just stay under house arrest. He didn't put him in prison. That was Scott's favorite. He put him in, he put him, he let him go stay with somebody, and he sent one of his soldiers with him. And so Paul went, and they allowed Paul to have believers and, and Jews to come to Paul so that Paul could minister to him, in which he did. And that was the reason that they that Nero took him out. Because he was telling people about the King of Kings. Amen. And what had happened is that, is that, you know, Nero twisted what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, yeah, that, you know, that, that, that the Father in heaven is our King of Kings. And, and Nero twisted it and said, you know what, I'm the king. That's treason. And that's the reason they, he, he took him out. How many know the devil's a liar? And so <clears throat> the second thing was Paul was in prison. Amen. The third thing is that the church was in a crisis. Somebody say crisis. And I believe the church is, is, is always going to be in crisis. There's a, you know what? Because we have an adversary, because we have a devil, because we have somebody that hates us, because there's an enemy, the church will always be under attack. And we see here that the church was in a crisis situation. The historical background is important at this point because for the first 25 years after the birth of the church, you know, in Acts chapter 2, the, uh, there wasn't much resistance. There was pockets of resistance here and there, different things going on. But once Nero became emperor, then the church really started getting persecuted. Now it was no longer popular to be a so-called Christian. And Christians didn't want to be so-called anymore. Huh? Because they were finding them and they were, you know what, they were, they were doing what they're doing now. They were beheading them. Putting their heads on, a, you know, on spears and, and, you know, lining the cities with them. And doing all these different things. And then, so the church was in a crisis. And believers, you know, that weren't, that weren't, you know, uh, that weren't all in, they were turning, some of them were turning back. Some of them were losing hope, losing hope. Some of them were losing faith. You know, in their God. And I want to ask you tonight, where are you at? Are you in a crisis tonight? What are you going through tonight? See, we're going to, it's just going to get worse. And we're going to continue to get bombarded with, you know what? With, with, with adverse things within our life. And it's happening now. You know, I, I think about when I was a young man, how, how the things of God, how, how much of it is, is come against by the world. And even by the governments, you know, and it's still happening today. <clears throat> you see, but from his prison cell, Paul saw all these threatening developments and knew things would get worse before they got better. And I want to ask you tonight, what do you see from where you're at? Do you see good things happening or do you see bad things happening? You know, because... Although different things could be happening, 
How many know that we still got to hold on? We got to still fight. We still got to give God our all. And we still need to hold on and believe what God is doing through the church today. So we see, number one, that it was Paul's last letter. Number two, Paul was in prison. Number three, the church was in a crisis. Number four, Paul had been virtually abandoned in Rome. Once Paul got to Rome, you know what? Not too many people went to go see him because they knew that he had a death sentence. Huh? They knew that, you know what, that nothing good was going to come out of this. And so a lot of people, they didn't want to be associated any longer. And he had been abandoned. Most of his friends from earlier missions found reason to conveniently forget about him. Out of sight, out of mind. The Bible says, Paul said, only Luke was with me. Amen. In Rome. And so I say that to let you know that, you know what, in our walk, is sometimes we're going to be, we're going to feel, we're going to go through times of abandonment within our walk. We're going to feel, we're going to feel it. I don't mean we are, but you're going to go through times and you're going to go through hardships in your walk when you feel like, you know what, like, man, God, why, have you abandoned me? Where are you? I, you know what, I've been calling, I've been serving you all these years. I've been, you know what, paying my tithes, and I've been doing this, and I've been doing that. I've been doing what you called me to do. But you know what, where are you? Why am I in this situation? I'm going to go through that. Now, Paul never complained about it, but how many know he went through it? And if Paul went through it, if you're going to do great things for God, you are going to suffer persecution. You're going to go through hard things. The fifth thing, and this is the last one here, is that Timothy that is is here in this letter is that Timothy represented the up and coming generation of the emerging Christian leadership. Timothy was a young man. He was in his 20s at this time. Paul is an old. Timothy is his trusted young, you know, protege, his young disciple. Timothy is much younger than Paul. But Paul deeply <coughs> had a love for Timothy. And with him and many, uh, Paul, Paul had Timothy with, with him during many difficult situations. And how many know Timothy seen the, the hand of God move in the life of Paul? According to Acts 16, he was the, uh, Timothy was the product of a mixed heritage. His father was Greek, his mother was Jewish. And he seemed to have been a man with a sensitive and emotional and somewhat, somewhat timid uh, disposition. I believe that at this time, when, when he knew that his, his mentor was going, you know, to get beheaded, he must have felt really deeply, you know, hurt and just like confused, knowing that the, the person that raised him, the person that brought him, the person that encouraged him, the person that invested in him was no longer going to be around. He was no longer going to be there. <clears throat> and not only that, with people fleeing, you know, uh, Christianity, some people leaving the church, and, and her heretics trying to creep into the church and, and teach false doctrine, you know, Timothy being a young man, he must have been going through it. 
He must have really been going through it. Wondering, you know what, am I going to make it? Am I going to be able to continue to go forward? Am I going to continue to fight? But you know what? Paul here, how many know that Paul encourages him to keep going? To continue to, to fight the good fight. You see, Paul's final letter, I believe, is a passing of the torch from one generation to another. Amen. And he was, you know, he was telling Timothy, come on, Timothy, man, you've got to do this. You have to do this. And it has always been said, I've read it in many books, that says that, you know what, that the church is one generation away from extinction. Extinction. Amen. In other words, if we don't invest in our young people, if our young people that don't catch the vision, if our young people don't get excited for God, if our young people don't give everything they have to live for God, the generation behind them, and that goes for us, those of us that have been around. See, this letter is, is about discipleship. And, and I know that's our theme for this year, to disciple, you know, to, to, to disciple somebody, one person. If we all discipled one person this year, that would catch the vision, that would fan the flame, that would, you know what, that, that would step up to do what God has called them to do, we would double in one year. We would double. And, you know, God has called us so that we would, you know what, so they would tell somebody else. And in turn, that they would tell somebody else. And so that the kingdom of God will continue to go forth. See, how many of you like track? Amen, you like the Olympics? I, I've always liked track, I, and I remember when I was young. Matter of fact, we had a visitor here. He was from uh, from Union City, and I grew up with his family. I knew him. He lived right by me. And we were talking, kind of talking about it. We were started talking about track, about these guys at at Logan, because they had a. This was probably like in seventy one, seventy two. I was, you know, I was like uh, two. <laughs> You know, but I was around twelve. I was around twelve, or you know, and and me and my friends, we used to go to the high school track uh, track meets. Just to, you know, we'd be out running around and we'd go to the meet. And they had a they had a, a great track team back then. And I still remember the guys' names: Loopy Gayton, uh, uh, Rick Eisen, Wade Keller, and then they had this guy. Named Sid Harris. I mean, that dude, Sid Harris, that dude was bad. <laughs> he, man, he used to run the 100, and he would be so far in front of people, he would turn around and run backwards the last 15 yards. He would just like that. He, and you know what? He was like, he was 5'8". He was my size. He was 5'8". But that dude had springs. Matter of fact, in basketball, when they, had, when they used to do the opening jump, he would jump against guys that were 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and he would out-jump them on the opening tip. They used to think that he would just, they would just bring him out there, just, you know. Now, this dude can jump, and he was fast. But in the 400 relay, the most important of the race is the passing of the baton, huh, right? It's the passing of the baton. And you know what, man? Us as believers, us has been around for a while, us, the, those of you that are young, you know what, man, it's up to us. It's up to you. You got to get a hold. You got to grab that baton, and we've got to pass that baton over. Amen? We've got to do our best 
to instill into the young people today to live for God, to give everything they have to live for the, for the God that, that touched us and that saved us. But they will know. You know, if that's one thing that I've always wanted my kids uh, to know, because, you know, going out to pastor and being out in Tracy, you know what, man? I thank God because my kids, my, my kids seen the hand of God move. And I believe that has strengthened their walk with God. And I believe that's why all of my kids are saved today is because, you know, they've experienced God. And you know what, man, our kids, until we jump in, all in, until we do everything that God called us to do, until we put our hands to the plow, you know, our kids ain't going to catch it because they're going to see us half-stepping. And they're going to say, well, you know, you didn't do it, Mom. You were watching the Kardashians. And Dad, you were watching Family Feud. Huh? <clears throat> but I believe that, you know what, that these things here is that we need to understand them. We need to understand that, you know what, that Timothy here, he represented the up-and-coming generation. There's a gang in the house. Where's the gang at tonight? Huh? Is the gang excited? Two people. <laughs> Amen. See, it's irresponsible as believers not to pass on what you live for or what God done in your life. It is irresponsible to not make ready for the next generation the baton to, you know what, to teach them how to get it and teach them how to tuck it away, teach them how to, you know what, to use it and teach them how to run with perseverance. Amen? See, before you take off your shoes and you know what, you want to retire, you want to get in that ham hock, ham, hammock, not ham hock. <laughs> Seen her ham hocks on the uh, Facebook. Come on, sister. <laughs> now, Let's go back to uh, let's go back to Second Timothy one six here, and we're, I'm gonna talk about a couple more things. Then we're gonna close. Amen. Now, Paul said here. He said, "For this reason, I remind you." Amen. He said, "For this reason, I remind you." What is Paul reminding him? Amen. Well, the first thing is that we see is that Paul reminds Timothy of his heritage. He reminds him of the legacy that is within his life. He reminds him about his grandmother. You know what? His, his grandmother must have been around Paul's age. Paul might have reached her. Who knows? Because Paul knew her firsthand. And, and she... she she caught the heart of God. And not only that, but she passed it on, the Bible says, to her daughter, Eunice, right? And Eunice, she must have caught it because she passed it on to her son, Timothy. And here we see Timothy, a young man, 
out, you know what, doing a work for God, pastoring a church, and you know what, doing a work, and you know what, coming against opposition, and teaching, and instructing, and, and you know what, working with people, and, and touching them, and healing, and doing all these things for God. And here we see Paul reminds them about it. Paul reminds them about that in verse 5. This is what he says, right? He says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives also in you. Amen. See, Paul's first appeal is to remember the wonderful spiritual heritage or legacy that goes back a few generations. And I want to remind you tonight about the great legacy that we have. You know, I was thinking about it. You know, pastor, pastor's like the young Timothy now. His dad was the pastor here. But his dad is, right, is cut right from the rock. Huh? Right from Sonny Argonzoni. He was one of Sonny's guys. Huh? He traveled the world. He, you know what? He planted churches all over the place. He touched many lives, thousands of lives. And you and I, we're, we're, you know what? We have a great legacy. Our, 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 our pastor, man, he, he's connected. He's connected, you know, uh, with Pastor Sonny. We have great pastors. Pastor Darrell went to the Philippines. Past, pastor Toby, man, went to Indonesia. Pastor Christian is still in the Philippines. He's still there. I haven't seen him for so long I forgot his name. <laughs> huh? <clears throat> Pastor Gray, amen. God's doing great things in his life. God, you know, you know what? We have a great leg. We have pastors all over the bay. We have Pastor, you know, Pastor Eddie and different Pastor Albert. We have a great legacy. And I want you to know that you know what? That's where you're. That's what you got cut from, huh? You have the same DNA within your heart, within your life. Anything's impossible. God can use you to reach the world. God can use you to do great and mighty exploits. But you just got to fan the flame. You got to begin to stir it up. You got to begin to get a hold of God. You got to begin to pray like never before. You got to, you know, you don't need to ask God for more faith. You just need God to ask God to stir up the faith that's inside of you. Because it's already there. God deposited everything inside you the day that you gave your life to him. But you know what? The enemy keeps telling you, you know, you can't do it. The enemy keeps telling you that, you know what, that you'll never make it. And some of you are, you know what, you have fear. But I want to let you know that, you know what, that you can do anything that God calls you to do. God's not done. God's not done with Victory Outreach, Heart of the Bay. Our heritage is going to continue to go. It's going to continue to grow. But God needs to raise up men out of the home like Pastor Christian, Pastor Daryl, Pastor Toby. My God. Huh? But God wants to stir you up. You got to remember your heritage. Man, I, was, I, I remember pastor, my pastor... Well, pastor Stevon's my pastor, but his father used to be my pastor. And I remember him always talking about Pastor Sonny. When I, I came into the church in 1993, and all I heard was about the vision. 
All I heard was about Pastor Sonny. And so I, you know, I was like, and I never seen him. I was like, who's Pastor Sonny? Who's this guy? And, uh, but that's all I heard about him. Pastor always used to preach about him and, and brag about him and, and just say how God's hand was on him. And then, you know what, that he's going to, God's used him in a mighty way. And so in 1994, me and my wife, you know, my wife wanted to, like, take a vacation because the last seven years of our marriage were, were hell. Amen. And so I was, you know, I was getting my act together. Amen. I got back in the house. Come on, somebody. <coughs> and I, I, you know, I got a job. I got blessed with a good job. God start, God's favor started falling all over me. And so uh, she goes, you know what, man, I'll, let's take the kids to Disneyland. And, you know, so we were doing, you know, financially pretty good. God, you know, I was turning all my checks over. Come on, somebody. And so we said, I said, let's go. But, see, I had an alternative motive. I said, yeah, we'll go to Disneyland. I knew it wasn't far. I looked on the map, and I go, that's not far from La Puente. And I'll say, yeah, we'll go to Disneyland. And then on Sunday, we'll go to the mother church. Because I wanted to go here this Sunday. Who's this Sunday guy? Huh? And I wanted to go see for myself. And so, we, you know, and it's funny. I'll never forget it because when we were going down to Disneyland, O.J. Simpson was coming. Uh, we were in Anaheim, and O.J. Simpson was coming up to five on his Bronco. Huh? And I thought, you know what? I was thinking in my head, I was all, that's Cheech and Chong. Huh? They're stuck because they were going real slow and all these cop cars were behind them. And I said, that's Cheech and Chong. You know? They're stuck. And so, you know, we went to the hotel and checked in and then I turned the TV on and it was, because everybody with all these thousands of people, they were on the overpasses, but it was O.J. Simpson. Amen. So I'll never forget that day. And I was blessed because I, we went to the service and Pastor Sonny was there because he wasn't always there. Amen. And we went to the second service. I think Manny was like five years old. Uh, Selena was three. And Christina was about like one and a half. And we left her because she was just too small, you know. We, 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 we said, we'll take her in a couple of years. <laughs> and we did. But I just remember going to the service, right, in La Puente. It was hot. It was June. It was in the tent. Amen. We went to the second service. And Pastor Sonny spoke that day. It was Father's Day. It was actually Father's Day. And I still remember the message that he spoke. He spoke about Lot and Abraham. And he, he spoke about, you know, the grass is not greener on the other side. Amen. And it was a powerful message. And that day, you know what? Not only did something happen to me, but something happened to my wife. Amen. Because the power of, through, of the legacy, you know what, touched my wife. Man, they had a beautiful choir. They had some testimonies. And you know what, man, something happened to my wife. When we came back, my wife started coming to church more. Huh? She was coming here and there, you know. She was still, you know, doing the hokey pokey. Amen. And I was just believing God. And that thing, you know what, that was a life changer. For me, we have a great legacy, people. We got to continue to, you know what, to, to, to feed ourselves and, and understand what God's done here in the heart. In Northern California, 
and through our men of God. Because God wants to do the same to you. See, this reminded Timothy of his past. He let Timothy know that he had a great heritage. He said, I can see the faith in your mother. I seen the faith in your grandmother. And now I see it in you. He said, now live up to it. <clears throat> we all have heritage. We all have a family tree. We all have a spirit, spiritual history. And we need to recognize it. Like I said before, there's no resentment in Paul's words. The second thing he told him, not only that he had a great legacy, but he told Timothy to stir it up. Somebody say stir it up. He told him to fan into flame the gift of God. And how many know that the gift of God is the Holy Spirit that God has deposited inside me and you when we gave our lives to the Lord? And he goes on to tell him that he didn't give you, a, you know, a spirit of timidity, right? He didn't give us a, a, a weak spirit. He didn't give us a compromising spirit. He didn't give us a, you know what, once in a while spirit. No, he gave us a spirit of power. Can somebody say amen? God has given you a spirit of power. And you know what? You need to begin to activate it like never before. You need to begin to ask God to stir you up. You know, when I, when I was thinking about the legacy, I was saying, wow. You know who came to my mind? Many people came to my mind. But one of them was Marlene. Huh? I was thinking about when I, she came up here and testified and she said, you know what? She said, I'm going to keep coming. I'm going to keep going to church. And she understood, you know what, and she's seen that through Chuck, you know, the work that God did through him, the lives that he touched, the impact that he made. And you know what, I, I was thinking, you know, Mar Marlene was saying, you know what, my kids are going to get touched too. I'm going to live for God, and I want to see my kids be impacted by the Holy Ghost, by the power of God, the way that my father-in-law was impacted. Same thing with Chucky. And they're here. Huh? I believe God put it upon their heart. That God shook them up. That God stirred them up. And now, and now we're going back to Sister Irene's house. Amen. I'm excited about that. See, Paul said, he said, for this reason, I remind you. What reason? Number one, the legacy. Amen. Number two, the gift that God had deposited in him. Amen. <clears throat> I was thinking about the Navarros. I was thinking how God brought the whole family in. Huh? And I believe that, you know, I was thinking, I was like, you know what? Gina must have really been praying for this family. Huh? Because I know Gina's seen them at parties and, you know, birthday parties and, She's seen the dysfunction that was taking place at the time. Amen. Things that they were going through. And I believe Gina knew that Gina had an answer. Because you know what? I was just thinking when I left to Tracy, Gina had been here for a couple years. And when I came back, man, I seen something different in Gina. I was saying, that girl's bold now. Because she was timid before. She was quiet. 
you know, she was kind of, you know, reserved. But how many know she ain't like that anymore? Huh? I believe the legacy impacted her. I believe that the power was stirred up within her life. And that because of that, you know what? I believe she was praying for the family. And little by little, you know, now they're here. Huh? Alex and, and, and Paulina, they're all here. They're all here tonight. I was praying they would all be here. Because <laughs> I knew I was going to say this. Huh? Junior and his beautiful wife and, and uh, brother Jose. Praise God. Now give the Lord a hand. Amen. I was the other person, this is the other person. I was, I was thinking about Eric Castaneda. Amen. Where's it? Is Eric in here? There he is. Amen. I was thinking about Eric. Eric came to my mind because when I first came to the church, his, uh, his stepdad was my Bible study leader. Now, I remember coming to church, and you know what? Pastor Richard was telling me, you know what, man? God's going God's to gonna touch your wife, and she's going to be right next to you. Huh? She's going to touch you. He wasn't even married yet. And I believe at this time, right after this, he got sick. Or he, he, he found out he was sick. Maybe he already knew, and he just didn't tell anybody. I don't know. But I was just thinking about how God used this man to, you know what, to, to touch his life through the legacy and through the laying on of the hands of the good deposit that was deposited in Pastor Richard. And you know what, man, his encouragement, his love, his, you know what, he helped me to go forward. He helped me to continue to, to fight. He helped me to fight for my family. Amen. Because in the beginning, I, you know, I wasn't in the house. <laughs> I was staying at my dad's. Amen. But how we know that God began to, to, you know what, to stir me up. God stirred up Pastor Richard. He stirred up, he stirs up families. Don't give up. Don't shrink back. You don't know what God is doing. God, you know what, God is at work right now. God is getting ready to touch your family this, in 2017 as you lay down your life, as you stir up the gift of God, as you do your best for God, as you give to Him like never before, as you pray, and as you get a hold of God, I believe God is going to do something awesome and powerful within your life. Paul also said He didn't give you this spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline or a sound mind, some of your translations say. Amen. But how many know because of God, man, he's given us the ability to love. Amen. And not only love, but to be loved. Because many of you guys were unlovable. Huh? Really, I mean, you know, people, a lot of you, nobody wanted you around. Do you, does anybody remember that? I remember a time when, you know what, no, none of my family wanted me around. My parents said, no, you can't come over. My brothers, the only one, I had one brother that would talk to me and say, and just to say, how are you doing? And, you know, he would slip me, you know, he would feed me once in a while. That's my brother Steve. But you know what, he came to Victory Outreach years ago. He was one of the first youth in Victory Outreach. Matter of fact, my, my brother was uh, 
part of the, he was one of the Dakota head stompers. He used to walk around with his hat like that and, you know, my little brother. And, but you know what? Something happened to him. He got invited to Victory Outreach. And you know what? All of a sudden, he was walking down the main with one of those big, this was like in uh, 19, this was when the church first started, probably 81. And he was walking around with this big old Bible. And I used to tell him, I used to laugh at him. Tell him, you're nuts. You, could you get any bigger letters than that, bro? It, it looked like, you know what he stole? You know the, the Catholic Bibles they have in there? They're like this big and they're open. He was carrying that thing around, 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 you know, Dakota. And everybody thought he was nuts. But you know what? It was from that time on that God changed his life. Huh? And no longer, he stopped hanging around with the fellas. He changed his life. He got a job. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he comes to church once in a while, you know, pray for him. Amen. Uh, but God touched his life. God touched my other brother's life. How many know that God is in the life-touching business? How many know God has a destiny for each and every one of us? And you know what, 2017, this is the year, man. This is the year. You, you know, you got you to gotta go for it. Don't shrink back. This ain't a time to shrink back. This is a time to step out. This is a year to step out. This is a year to give God your all. This is a time to give God your best. This is a time to, you know what, we, you know what, we, we've got to work together like never before. Yeah. I remember, you know, in our old church, I, I believe we grew so, there was no competition in our church. We, you know what, it, it was all about encouraging one another. We were excited when somebody did something for God. It wasn't about, you know what, look at me and, you know, uh, look what I'm doing and look at, you know what, you know what it was all about. Man, it was a brotherhood and a sisterhood. Amen? And God was doing great and mighty things. And so we can have, go ahead and come on up, our Brother Matt. Amen? <coughs> and I believe today that, you know what? That God is speaking to us. And that God is telling us, you know what? It's time to light the fire. Not to light it, but to stir. It's already lit. You have a fire within you. And God is asking us to stir it up. You know, when you barbecue and the, and the coals get gray, right? The flame goes down. And then you can't cook as good. Huh? I mean, it's not as hot. It's not, you know what? And, but when, if you, when you shake it up, you know, you, you hit on the, uh, on the pit and all the... All the coals, the, the gray, the charcoal starts falling off. And it, what happens? It starts getting red hot again. And I believe some of you, you need to be shooken up. You need to shake off those coals that are already burned out. And God wants you to stir it up. Tell your neighbor, stir it up. You know, I know I still got a ways to go, but God is stirring me up again. God is doing something in, my, in you know in my life. God is, you know what? I hope God is doing the same in, in yours. I don't want it to be the same old, same old. Amen.
I want God to do something awesome and something great in my life once again. You know, I went through all those things. Huh? I was asking God, where are you, God? God said, I've been here all the time. And you know what he asked me? He said, where you been? He said, where you been? And I said, I said, ouch. <laughs> He slapped me, and I, and I was like, that's a good question. Huh? But I believe God is, you know what? God wants to stir us up. And you know what? I want to pray right now. Why don't we have everybody stand to our feet? And I want to pray for those of you that say, you know what? I want God to stir me up. Which, no, no, wait. Yeah, you want to get stirred up, but you know what? God does done all he can. God, Paul told Timothy, he told Timothy to stir, stir up the gift that is within you. He's, what he was doing, he was saying, you need to do it. I've done my part. I imparted the fire within your heart, within your soul. And But it's up to you to stir it up. You know, sometimes we want the preacher to stir it up. I mean, I, I, I'm serious. I, I got stirred up when Dean was here. Huh? Something just happened. Encourage me, encourage me. <laughs> oh, that guy was funny. But something happened. What about you? Are you stirred? Are you on, is the flame lit? Is it burning its brightest? God wants to do something great. But you need to stir it up. You need to fan the flame. It's going to take in a, a, you know what? Separation. It's going to take you separating yourself. Setting goals. And sticking to them. Self-discipline. God says he gave us self-discipline through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it. Your mind says no, your body says no, but the Spirit of God says yes. And so I want to open the altar and you say, you know what, man, I, I need to get stirred up. And I want to get stirred up.